0: 2005 Some California Harvest Podcast 8 <laughs> Greetings and welcome to this special crusade edition of a time for harvest. These podcasts are brought to you by Harvest Ministries at harvest.org in partnership with the Godcast Network. I'm Steve Webb, host of the Lifespring Podcast at lifespringpodcast.com which is a proud member of the Godcast Network found at Godcast.org. In this podcast, we bring you the final message of this three-day event. Pastor Greg is entitled the message, How to Change for Good. It's a challenging and possibly life-changing message that you'll want to hear and share with others. We hope that you're able to join us this year in Anaheim or that you'll make it to an upcoming crusade near you. If you'd like to read more about how you can begin a relationship with God right now, or if you've recently made a decision to do that, please visit us on the web at knowgod.org. That's k-n-o-w-g-o-d.org. You can tell us of your decision and find some great resources to help you get the most out of a new relationship and even receive a free copy of the New Testament. We'd also like to let you know about an opportunity if you're already a believer to help support Harvest Crusades by putting a Bible in hands of a new believer. If you'd like to be a part of that ministry, please visit us at harvest.org slash stw. And as always, to subscribe to these podcasts, you can do that at harvestpodcast.org. Lastly, to sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional via email, please visit harvest.org slash devotional. You can even email Greg directly at... Greg at harvest.org. Now let's get to Pastor Greg's message as he talks to us about how to change for good.
1: Tonight I want to talk to you in our final night here at the Crusade about how to change for good. I heard a story about a lady who walked into a pet store to buy some food for her dog. And there prominently perched right by the front door was a very large parrot. I took one look at this woman and said very loudly. That is a parrot sound. The parrot said, You are the ugliest woman I have ever seen. This woman was shocked. She couldn't believe her ears. She said, What did you say? The parrot said, You heard me. You know you are the ugliest woman I have ever seen. Well the woman was outraged. She demanded that the manager of the pet store come out from the back room. The man came out. Yes, ma'am. Can I help you? That parrot of yours insulted me. He said I was the ugliest woman he had ever seen. The manager said, Ma'am, I am so sorry. Let me deal with the parrot. He grabs the parrot by the neck off the perch, goes into the back room, smacking its feet back and forth. Feathers are flying. The parrot was finally contrite and sorry. The man said, Now you never say anything again and don't you speak in the presence of that woman. The parrot agreed. They went back out. The man put the parrot back in the perch. The woman was leaving the store with sort of a smug look in her face like, I got you. And just as she was walking the parrot yelled to the woman, Hey you! She turned around. She said, What? The parrot said, You know. You know there are certain things that we all know in life. such as you tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit in the wind. You don't pull on the mask of the old Lone Ranger and you. If you knew the answer to that you are really old. okay? That is an old Jimsy song. You don't mess around with Jim. Sometimes I don't think we know as much as we think we do. And sometimes we miss the obvious. Here in John chapter 3 Jesus reveals something that is an essential truth of life. In fact to miss this is to miss everything. If you don't get this one right, you will never go anywhere spiritually in life. Well let me restate that. You go somewhere but you won't go where you want to go. This is something Jesus said we must do. Something we must do if we want to go to heaven. Something we must do if we want the void in our life filled. Something we must do if we want our lives to change for good. We are going to read the Record of a Conversation between a wealthy, powerful, influential man known as Nicodemus that he had with Jesus, the carpenter's son from Nazareth. Nicodemus was a legend in his own time. He was famous. He was honored. He was deeply religious. Yet he was incredibly empty inside. So hearing of the great truths that Jesus was teaching and the miracles he was performing, the legendary Nicodemus wanted to meet the carpenter's son from Nazareth. Now you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, what possible relevance could a conversation between a Jewish carpenter and some religious dude named Nicodemus that happened 2,000 years ago have to do with me living in the 21st century? Answer everything. Because this is more than just a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus for all practical purposes. This is a conversation between God and man. If we were going to elect a representative to go God for us as people, we couldn't find a better rep, if you will, than Nicodemus. As I said, he's highly intelligent. He was, he was moral. He was as close to being a good person as you possibly can be, but there was something missing in his life. Maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you've been successful. Maybe you've studied hard. Maybe you have earned degrees. Maybe you've had great success or great possessions. You have the car you always dreamed of driving. You have the clothes you always wanted to wear. You have got everything going on. You have got the coolest crib in town, you know. But something's missing in your life. There is a big old hole in your heart and you can't figure out why it is there. And you can't figure out how to fill it. I am telling you the answer to all of that is found in the verses that we are going to read in just a moment. Now there are three movements to the story that we are about to look at. We see Jesus and Nicodemus face to face, then mind times, and then heart to heart. John chapter 3 we read this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be marveling when I say to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, says Jesus. You hear the sound of it. You can't tell where it is coming from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered him and said, But how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher and you don't know these things? Born again. That is a phrase we hear a lot. A lot of the people out there selling stuff to us use it. Born again shampoo. Born again this. Born again that. And I think it's sort of lost its meaning. But the general idea is starting over again, becoming something different than what you presently are, a new beginning. We're a culture that's obsessed with change. Well, look at all these programs on TV where these people are going to come and they're going to do a makeover on your house, or they're going to do a makeover on your appearance, or some people even do cosmetic surgery, want an extreme makeover. Have you ever watched any programs, by the way? they just call those programs what they really are. Someone ought to come up with an honest title. We think you are really ugly but cosmetic surgery maybe can fix you. Then again maybe an apple will see. I mean that is what it is. And some of these people I will have to say they do look a little bit better. Some I don't know if it is an improvement or not. But maybe you are thinking if only I could get this change in my life. This external change. No. God is talking about changing on the inside. Being born again. Have you been born again? Many Americans say they have been. At least half of those that have been polled in our country claim to be born again. Of those that were polled and said they were born again they said that they believe that the Bible is totally accurate in its teachings. 86% of born Christians said that. 98% of born Christians say their faith is very important to them compared to 52% of all adults. So that is good. Yet 28% of so-called born-again Christians believe when Jesus lived on earth He committed sins like other people. And one-third of people who claim to be born again believe that if a person is good enough they can earn a place in heaven. Hold on now. We say we are born again, but these are some strange ideas. I can tell you that when Jesus walked this earth He never committed a single sin. He lived a perfect and flawless life. That is for sure. And that by the way is why he was uniquely qualified to die for your sins. Otherwise he was just man dying for men. But because he was the God man he was the only one who could bridge the gap between a holy God that we have offended. And also good works won't get you to heaven. That is clearly taught in the Bible. So what is going on here? I suggest to you that people don't know what it means to be born again. But before we get into that let's think a little bit about Nicodemus. Who was this God? Well we read that he was a Pharisee. What does that mean? It means he was a religious man. It would be like a priest or a pastor or a rabbi who was well known for their teachings coming to Jesus for answers. Now we often think of the Pharisees in a negative light because our Lord had some harsh words for them without question. But at the same time we need to understand that the Pharisees were a very disapproved, never numbering more than 6,000 who had taken a vow before three witnesses that they would spend every moment of their life trying to obey the Ten Commandments. Not that they succeeded because no one succeeded in keeping all the Ten Commandments. But that is what they tried to do. But not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee but he was a leading Pharisee. He was a well-known Pharisee. I think his name was a household name. He was a spiritual leader. But there was something missing in his life. And that is why Jesus said, Why Nicodemus you being the teacher in Israel you don't know these things? So Nicodemus comes to the Lord. And maybe you too are a religious person. Maybe you are a person that goes to church every Sunday. Or maybe you are a person that has been baptized or you have been confirmed. And you feel that you are religious enough but yet there is something missing in your life and you can't figure it out. Maybe you have tried to be a moral person and live by the rules but there is still something not right. You might relate to old Nicodemus. Maybe you are a famous person. You are a legend in your own mind or more. You're well known. People know your name. You're popular. But there's something missing. It's worth noting that it says he came to Jesus by night. And by the way, that's mentioned more than once, so it is important. Maybe he was afraid to be seen. Maybe he was afraid of the criticism of others. You know, we really care a lot about what others think about us. Peer pressure strong in high school for sure. Even after you get out, we're aware of the opinions of others. When something is declared fashionable we want to dress that way. Something is said to be cool we want to be that way. And it is not anonymous that the Bible compares us to sheep. Because sheep tend to just follow one another even if it is in the direction. Did you read that article in the paper just a few days ago about 1,500 sheep that walked off of a cliff in Turkey. 1,500 sheep walked off a cliff. 450 of them died. And the rest of them didn't die because their fall was cushioned by the sheep that had already hit the bottom. They just walked off the cliff. One sheep started and all the others followed. That's so typical of sheep. You know when sheep walks off, boom, he's dead. The others, okay guys, get in a single line. We're all going to die today. Everybody, let's go. Let's go. It's not that bad. Let's go. Come on. The Bible says, all oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and we're just like that. Nicodemus maybe was afraid of what others thought. I'll come at night. No one will see me then. Hey, did you tell anyone you were coming to the harvest crusade tonight? Hey, man, you want a party? Oh, no, not tonight. Come on, let's go out to a movie. No, I'm not, not tonight. I'm going somewhere. Where are you going? Angel Stadium. There's not a game there tonight, no. Why are you going? Uh, it's, <clears throat> That whole Harvest Crusade thing. What? What are you going there for? I'm just going to check it out. You know, I was invited by a friend. Just want to see what these people are into. Watch out. You might end up being one of those born-agains. No, that will never happen to me. Oh, I hope you're wrong. I hope it happens to you tonight. I hope you leave this place born-again. You'll be glad you did. When I was in high school, Harbor High School in Newport Beach, I happened upon a group of Christians They were having a Bible study in the front lawn of the school. No one invited me. I had no intention of becoming a Christian that day. It was the last thing on my mind. But I began to listen with my heart. And my life was changed. And I'm praying that you will listen with your heart as well. And you can change just as Jesus changed Nicodemus. He can change you. Now notice how the conversation begins. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher sent from God. And no one can do these things unless God is with them. I mean the fact that someone like Nicodemus would even call Jesus Rabbi is kind of radical. Because as I said, he was a spiritual leader. He was a great man. And here he's coming to Jesus who is dressed as a peasant dressed in the finery of the great leaders. Rabbi says, we know you are a teacher sent by God. It was a beginning. He acknowledged Jesus was a teacher. He didn't say you are God yet but I know you are sent from God. Maybe that is how you feel. You know you like Christians in general. You came here as a visitor. The Christians are pretty good people. They are honest. They are considerate. They are a little weird but you know they are pretty good people Might even be a respect that you have for them that brought you here tonight because your Christian friend has been badgering you. Oh, come with me to the crusade. Come with me to the crusade. All right, all right. I'll go, I'll go. And here you are. And you maybe have always respected Jesus Christ. You thought he was a great moral teacher, maybe the greatest of all. That's how Nicodemus felt. Before I was a Christian I always believed in God. And if you would have asked me, Greg are you a Christian? I probably would have said yes because I was an American. And whenever I was in trouble Jesus was my God of choice that I called on. And you know what? I would seen all of His movies. So I figured I am a Christian. But I wasn't. Because I didn't understand that being a Christian is more than a creed. It is a personal relationship with God. That came to me a little bit later. Maybe you have respect for God. Maybe Nicodemus thought, you know, if I hang out with this Jesus guy, he might be giving me some tips on teaching. I might become a better leader as a result of being around him. I might have a little improvement in my life. Oh no. Nicodemus didn't need improvement. He needed salvation. You know sometimes we kind of look at what the Bible says and what Jesus says and we are kind of laid back. We are cool about it. Well you know that is interesting. I will consider Christianity and I will consider what He says. But I will consider this religion. I will consider that religion. I have all the time in the world. I would have imagined you a big banqueting table and I will try a little of this and I will try a little of that. Well maybe I will come up with my own belief system when it is all said and done. No. That is not the scenario. Here is the scenario. You're out in the middle of the ocean and you're drowning, and you need someone to save you. And that's what Jesus can do for you save you from your sins and forgive you. Your situation's radical tonight, folks. Your situation is more radical than you may think. Nicodemus was getting on in years, he's an older man. Jesus said, You must be born again. Nicodemus said, Can a man be born when he's old? Maybe you are getting a little bit older now. You know when you get older you become more set in your ways. Have you noticed that? When you are young you like action. Change. Things going on. When you are old you like routine. You go into the restaurant and order the same thing every single time. I think if you want to find out if you are young or old it can all be demonstrated by what you do when you go to Disneyland. Disneyland. When you go to Disneyland and you are young you want to go on the most radical ride in the park. You run to get there. When you are old you want to eat. Where is the food? When you are young and you finish going on one ride you run to another one. When you are older after you have eaten you say, Is there a place to take a nap here? Do they have any rocking chairs on Main Street? There are tell signs one is getting old. You know you are getting old when you actually look forward to a dull evening. That is true. Ah dull evening. That is great. You know you are getting old when you sit down in a rocking chair and you can't get it started. <laughs> Roll Reese is having this problem already. You know you are getting old when your mind makes commitment your body can't keep. You know you are getting old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You know you are getting old when you sink your teeth into a juicy steak and they stay there. (laughs) Or you know you are getting old when you dim the lights for economic reasons rather than romantic ones. Or you have owned clothes so long they have come back into style twice. You know you are getting old when you actually sing along with the elevator music. How many have done this? I have. Oh that is humiliating. You know you are getting old when you quit trying to hold your stomach in no matter who walks into the room. (laughs) Nicodemus was getting old. Jesus says, buddy I am going to cut to the chase with you. You must be born again. It is nice of you to say I am a great teacher but you must be born again Nicodemus. This is the bottom line. This is what you need to do. Why did he need a spiritual rebirth? Jesus was saying, look Nick. This is the deal. This is what it comes down to. Your religious beliefs are not un- Despite the fact that you are at the top of the heap and religion means nothing. It hasn't brought you closer to heaven. You might say, well I am a Christian. I am just not one of those born again. Newsflash. You cannot be a Christian without being born again. You must be born again. This is what Jesus says. The conversation. Is shifting. It's gone from face to face. Now it's mind to mind. Now Nicodemus is thinking, okay, all right. How can one be born when he's old? Nicodemus is saying, all right, Jesus, I accept and premise what I need to change. I need a radical transformation. But how do you do it when you're old, when you're my age, when you're set in your ways? And maybe you wonder, is it really possible to change? Is it really possible to become a new person? Maybe you've tried to become a different person. Now if I just changed my job. If I just changed my house. If I just changed my wardrobe. If I just changed my wife or my husband. If I just change this or I change that. But it's still the same old you. My son Christopher, who is now 30, once came home with a rat that he bought at a pet store that he thought would make a nice pet. So We weren't real excited at first. But you know rats actually make kind of nice little pets. So uh, Christopher nicknamed the rat of all things Nicodemus. So we had to put him in something. We had a sort of a glass aquarium left over. So we put some... I think shavings in it or something and put little Nicodemus the rat in there. And and then Christopher had this idea. He thought it would really be funny if he built a little house, Nicodemus. So he got out this balsa wood and he built this cool little house. Had a little roof on it. Had little windows. A little door that opened and closed. And even put his name over the top. Nicodemus. And he he put it in the little rat cage. you know. And we went to bed at night. We thought oh it is great. We have our house. And Nicodemus the rat has his house. There he is. His little house. And we came back the next morning. There was Nicodemus. He looked a little plumper and the house was gone. Nicodemus ate the house. Because a rat is a rat, you see. Sort of like a horse is a horse, of course. You know, a rat's a rat. You see, we like the idea of a rat living in a house. He just saw that as a big giant hors d'oeuvre and he ate it. He can't change what he is. Can you really change? Come on, Greg. Aren't you, are? Aren't you what you're going to be? Well, God can change you from the inside. I don't get it, Nicodemus is saying. How could I possibly change? I'm older, I'm set in my ways. Maybe a warm breeze blew at that moment, causing Jesus to say, The wind blows where it wills. You hear the sound of it, you don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is answering a question with a question Hey, Nicodemus, can you define the wind? Can you see the wind? You know, a person might say, you know, believing is seen. If I believe something, uh, if I see something, rather, I'll believe it. Well, come on, there's things you can't see that you believe in. You believe in the wind, don't you? Have you ever been flying and hit air turbulence? You don't believe that's there? I don't believe this is real. Oh, it's real. Or how about if you're in a hurricane and trees are flying by, cars are going by? You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. In the same way, you can't see God tonight. You you can see His work and the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of men and women sitting around you right now. Let me prove my point. How many of you have been transformed by Jesus Christ? Wave your hand right now if Jesus is... Look around you that's your evidence. That's hard evidence friend. Sitting in front of you, behind you, each side. Maybe a person that has been radically changed you wouldn't even believe it. Well you can't see God but you can see what He has done. You must be born again. Now the third shift in our story takes place. They've gone from face to mind to mind. Now it is heart to heart. Okay Nicodemus says, how can this be? How can it take place? What do I need to do? And now Jesus gives the answer. And let me read it to you John 3.16. I bet both, most of you have this memorized. Let's just say it together. John 3.16. You ready? One, two, three, go. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. Right there, he said it. Here it is, Nicodemus. Here are the ABCs of having your life changed. How you can change for good. First of all, for God so loved the world. Some people imagine God as sort of a cosmic killjoy. Just out to rain in your parade. Whatever is going good is going to go bad. Once God gets involved, nothing can be further from the truth. God loves you. He loves you more than any person has ever loved you. The Bible says, God speaking, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore I have drawn you. The Bible says greater love is no man than this. Then He laid down His life for His friends. God doesn't just give out a sweet sentiment called love. He's demonstrated it by sending his Son to die on the cross for you. That's real love. He loves you tonight. And His plan for you is good. It's better than any plan you've ever had for yourself. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. For God so loved the world. He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. The Bible calls it the gift of God which is life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is not enough to have a gift offered to you. You must accept it. Let's say that I came to you and said, here I want to give you my Bible. And I placed it in front of you. You must say, well thank you Greg I would like to have your Bible. Now you know when you give gifts to people they react in different ways. Women react to gifts differently than men. Have you noticed? You know, if you give a gift to a woman and it's wrapped, have you noticed how women are unwrap gifts? First they'll look at it and they'll read the card. Men don't read cards. Cards to men are merely an obstacle, okay? A woman will read the card even though it was written by someone working at Hallmark and be touched. That's so sweet. Thank you. And then all that stuff falls off. Those little stars and things. What's with that? I hate that stuff. Then a woman, when she opens a gift, oh, she'll undo the ribbon. This is so nice. I'm going to save this paper for later. In using paper. Yes. A man, wrapping paper is a mere obstacle. It's in the way. Can't get it off quick enough. Don't even give a gift to a man that's wrapped. Just give it to him. A brown paper bag, that's even too nice. Just throw it at him. He's happy. I'm amazed. I'll give my wife a gift. Kathy, I got this for you. Oh, thank you. We're having dinner. Sit over there. She's eating her dinner. Kathy, the, the gift, the gift. Are you going to open it? I'll open it after dessert. After dessert, open it now. I can't wait. If you give me a gift, I want to see what's in there. God has given you a gift. Don't set it aside. Well, I'll get to it later. God, that's so nice of you to give Maybe I'll open it one day. I don't know. Then again, maybe not. No, no. You must receive the gift. He loved you so much He gave you His only begotten Son. How do you receive it? Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What does it mean to believe? It doesn't mean to merely accept something that is true intellectually. Listen to me. The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. You can say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe He died on a cross and rose again from the dead. I believe the Bible is true. I even believe Jesus is coming back again and not necessarily be a Christian. But so If you are a Christian you need to believe all those things I said. But you can say those things and not have necessarily made that commitment of Christ. You say, I accept all of that is true and now I give life to the Lord. By that I mean, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my God. You've got to do that. That's believing. And if you believe you will never perish. You'll never perish. You'll live forever in the presence of God in heaven. But you must accept the gift. Maybe you've thought to yourself, oh, you know, like that sounds nice. You stand up there with your bald head telling us all this stuff. I wish I would have brought my sunglasses for the glare. Polarized, preferably. You stand there with your Bible and you talk about God. What do you know? You're probably raised in a Christian home, little manby, candy thing. No, no. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a broken home. My mom was married and divorced many times. I got into the party scene. I got into the drug scene. I tried the things that this world has to offer. I know from experience that the answers are not found in the things of this world. I've been there. I've done that. And I bought the t-shirt. Okay? Okay? And now I have been on the other side for three, five years and I can tell you there is no life better than the Christian life in being a follower of Jesus Christ. Well my friends heard I would become a Christian. They didn't believe it. Lori's a Christian? There is no way. Because I even thought to myself, you know I am not the Christian type. I am too cynical. I am too sarcastic. I am too hard. No I wasn't the Christian type, but I was the sinner type. You don't have to be a good person to become a Christian. You need to be a person that recognizes that you have a hole in your heart and you are afraid of death and you have guilt you can't get rid of. You need to be a person that wants to know God in a personal way. And then guess what? You qualify and God will forgive you and you can have this relationship with Him starting tonight. Notice that Jesus says, Whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, I know that I will go to heaven when I die. I know it. You say, oh great, you're awfully arrogant, aren't you? No, I'm not actually. I am not boasting in what I have done for God. I am boasting in what God has done for me. And God has made me a promise because I believed in Him. And He's made the same promise to you in 1 John 5.13. These things I write to you the believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you are eternal and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. God is offering you the complete forgiveness of your sin tonight. The removal of your guilt A chance to start over in life. To change for good. Go to heaven when you die and be ready for Christ's return. I'm going to ask you to do in a moment what over 6,000 people have done this weekend. I'm going to ask you to come and receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers. So you can be a changed person. Changed for good. right? what do I want to do? I want to change for good. I want to go to heaven. I want to be ready for the Lord's return. What do I do? Number one, admit you are a sinner. That's hard for some of us. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one righteous. No, not one. The Bible says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We all are. Number two, recognize Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He willingly went there and died in your place. He came to pay a debt he did not owe because you owed a debt you could not pay. He died in your place so you could be forgiven. Now you need to repent of your sin. Repent. What does that mean? It means to change your direction in life. You have been walking away from God. Now you need to start walking toward Him. The Bible says God has commanded people everywhere to repent. You need to turn from your sin. Fourthly, you must receive Jesus Christ's life. This comes back to what I was saying earlier. It's a gift you must accept. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear my voice open the door, I will come in. Listen. Only you can open the door of your heart. You've been hearing His voice. Deep down inside, you know what I'm saying is true. You know you want this. You know you want God's forgiveness. You know You want to find the meaning of life. You must do it publicly. That is why I am going to ask you in a moment to come down on the field and make a public stand for Christ. Because Jesus said if you will confess me before people I will confess you before my Father and the angels in heaven. But He said if you deny me before people I will deny you before the Father and the angels. This is a way to acknowledge Him, to confess Him before people. And last, you must do it now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tonight is your night to get right with God. It can happen for you. I'm telling you, it can. It can. You might say, Well, Greg, show me and I'll believe. Jesus essentially says to you, Believe and I'll show you. I'm going to ask you to take a little step of faith. You might have questions, you might have addictions, you might have vices. You come with your sin. You come with your problems and you say, God, help me. I can't help myself. I want to change for good. I want a new beginning in life. I want the whole of my heart filled. I want to go to heaven. And he will accept you and forgive you tonight. And we're going to pray and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer, if you would, please. Everyone praying. Father, these are your words. This is the gospel. Now I pray that you will touch hearts. You've sent your Holy Spirit to convince us of our sin. Help people to see that they need you, but the good news is they can be forgiven tonight and experience your, and begin this relationship with you. Help them to come to you this night, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you want your sin forgiven, If you want to know that when you die you will go to heaven. If you want the hole in your heart filled. If you want to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Or if you've fallen away from the Lord. You want to come back to Him tonight wherever you are. I want you to step into the nearest aisle. And begin to make your way down to the field. We're going to have you go around to the back of the stage here. Again, why do I ask you to come forward like this? Because it's a public stand you're making. Don't be someone who is so worried about what a friend thinks or a curious. What does God think? You will stand before Him one day. I know it is our final night. And I know some of you are thinking about leaving early. I am going to ask you a big favor. I am going to ask you to not leave early tonight. I want the aisles kept open. And the only movement I want to see is the movement of those coming forward to receive Christ, if you would. Thank you for it doing that. Many are beginning to come. I am going to ask you to pray now. To pray for the people around you. Because listen friend. Sitting in front of you may be someone that is struggling with this decision. Pray God helps them. Sitting behind you or on your right or on your left might be someone who wants to do this. Pray that God will help them make the right decision for Jesus. Even if you are at the very top. Start coming down now because it takes you a little bit longer. Come with your sins. Come with your problems. Come and receive
2: the forgiveness of God. As you know,
0: Pastor Greg makes the invitation to those in the stadium. We'd also like to let you know that invitation is open to you as well. You can learn how to begin a new relationship with God right now by going to knowgod.org. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D. Org. You can register your decision and you can take advantage of a wealth of resources to help you get the most out of your relationship and even receive a free copy of the New Testament just like he's giving away right there in the stadium. Please go to KnowGod.org. The
1: courage for you to come forward tonight to make this stand. I think every one of us who is a Christian remembers the day that we made that commitment, to follow Christ. You remember this night clearly. You're going to remember it as the most important night of your life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, and I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer out loud after me. And this is where you're asking for God's forgiveness. You're asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Savior and your Lord and your friend. You're saying, I want to experience that love. I want you to fill that void inside of me. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to know the meaning of life. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and I will ask that you pray it out loud after me. Mean it with all your heart, and God will hear you. Again, as I pray, pray this out loud after me, okay? Let's pray together. Let's all bow our heads. Pray this out loud after me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross and shed your blood for every sin I have ever committed. I turn from that sin and I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord and my God Thank you for calling me and loving me and accepting me and forgiving me tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. How do you like that? Welcome to the family of God. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hey, listen. (laughs) I have a gift for you tonight. It looks just like this. It's called the New Believer's Bible. If you look at that screen behind you, you can see what I'm talking about. This here. I have one for you. This is a very friendly translation of the New Testament to start reading. It has some notes in it that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment or recommitment you've just made to Jesus.
0: If you're already a believer and you'd like to help support Harvest in this ministry of giving out New Testaments, please visit us at harvest.org. stw Again, we rejoice with the angels of heaven as we see so many people making their commitment to Jesus Christ. And this has been a glorious harvest season to five, and we appreciate all of your attendance and the help that you've given. Now to just ask God's benediction upon this Harvest Crusade 2005. Pastor Skip Isaac from the Ocean Hills Community Church is going to come and lead us in the closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we have seen the effect of the wind tonight. We have seen your spirit move in the lives of so many, and we give you thanks for what you have done. Thank you that so many have taken that gift and opened the package. And now, Lord, as we leave this place, you have inspired us, you motivated us, to take the gospel message to those who haven't been at these crusades at work in our community, in our own family. Lord, we pray that in the next weeks, months, and through the year, until the next event, that many more would make commitments through the message that we will preach. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Please remember to subscribe to these podcasts. You can do that at HarvestPodcast.org. Also, to sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional via email, visit Harvest.org devotional. We hope these messages from the Southern California Harvest Crusade have been a blessing to you. Please stay subscribed because there are several more podcasts that are on our way to you with much more about this fantastic event. You'll enjoy hearing them. Until then, may God richly bless you.